2: It's Rick Tittle!
3: Hey, hey, ho, ho, your ugly face has got to go. Hey, hey, ho, ho. Come on, sing it with me. Your ugly face has got go. All 800 1-800-87A play. Come on in and get heard wherever you might happen to be listening in this great land of ours or so-so eh, foreign lands. Yeah, 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 that's what I said. I'm Rick Tittle. Nice to have you with us wherever you might be listening in this great land of ours. In the United States of America. Come on in and get heard, whatever might be happening in your sporting world, coast-to-coast and border-to-border. Yes, we are on the American Forces Radio Network. Today on the show, uh, Gene Roddenberry's son, Rod Roddenberry, will be coming in. Also, we will have Salesport Talk, as we do on Tuesdays, not hosted by... um, Karen Lyle or Patty Magnan, but the lovely and talented skipper Marie Rogers. Uh, At 10.12, it says I have the Lone Ranger. That's all it says. I'll have to do a little more research on that. We have (laughs) at 10.30, we have golfer Max Homa, Chief Nakahoma, races. Not him. Chief Nakahoma was. And then uh, 11.12, we will have director Martin Campbell for his new film, The Protégé. I remember I was working in a shoe store in college, and they said, uh, somebody says, can you get me a protege? I'm like, what? They go, can you get me a size 11 protege? I'm like, the protege? And then they go, ooh, sorry, Mr. Fluent and Fringe. I'm like, I am didn't think that was too uh, ostentatious. Anyway, we're here for you. 1-800-878-PLAY. Around the world on AFN, as I mentioned. TuneIn app, iHeartRadio app, Stitcher app, On your TV set. How about CRN Digital Plus 2, the cable radio network, Channel 2 on your cable provider. Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle is the Facebook page, fan page, and the Twitter is at Rick Tittle. Come on back with Rod Roddenberry.
4: Angie's List is now Angie. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or you're planning your dream renovation, Angie connects you with top local pros who can get the job done right. See reviews, compare quotes, and book hundreds of projects. Plus, when you book and pay through Angie, we'll cover your project up to the full purchase price plus limited damage protection with our happiness guarantee. Check out Angie.com and for more on the happiness guarantee, go to Angie.com forward slash happiness hyphen
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the program. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. As I mentioned, it is our distinct pleasure to welcome our guest Rod Roddenberry to the show, because on the 19th of this month, it will be the centennial year of Gene Roddenberry, of course, Roddenberry Entertainment's founder and the creator of Star Trek. Uh, Rod, tell us a little bit more. Does this mean this would have been your dad's 100th birthday? Is this what we're looking at?
6: Yeah, 100%. He was born in uh, 1921 and uh this year August 19th will be his 100th birthday. Granted he he did pass uh, uh back in 91, uh but the reason uh, we're making it a big deal is not because he was an infamous uh television creator, but the messages that were in Star Trek are timeless. Uh they were significant in the 60s when they came out and Sadly, but importantly, they are just as significant today.
3: Yeah, live long and prosper is pretty timeless, isn't it?
6: L- live long and prosper certainly is is one of them for sure.
3: <laughs> you know, it's funny, just yesterday I was interviewing a guy who wrote a book about the centennial of the first ever play by play in baseball, which was also nineteen
6: twenty-one. Oh, right. Well, I mean, there's um, there's a lot of things that are turned a hundred these days. Um Just because uh, I truly believe in uh, the philosophy that my father created, just sort of the future where we no longer fear difference and change and work together for the greater good, uh, where we thirst for the diversity, not just in our country, our world, but in the galaxy around us. uh, That is a future worth uh, working towards, in my opinion.
3: No doubt. And also, um, my uh, my late uncle, who was a a big you know, tennis pro in San Jose growing up, it was a thrill for us. It was like, it gotta be like 1974, 1975. He played tennis with your dad. Oh,
6: nice. And he said, awesome. uh,
3: yeah, he said, uh, great guy. And I'm like, what was Gene Roddenberry doing in San Jose? He said, Oh, he's a really good guy. And we were all kind of thrilled. We were like, Ooh, the star Trek guy.
6: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I knew my father was a, he was a golfer for a while. Uh, the tennis tennis, I didn't see too much of, but, uh, he had me fairly late in life. And I think golf was sort of what he resorted to. So, grow- uh, But uh, he loved it. And I think he did pretty good.
3: Yeah. No, there's no doubt. And I was thinking too about, you know, when you grow up with a famous father. Um, and it's one thing if your dad's an athlete or a movie star. But this is an entirely different thing. Um, it's a complete way of life for a lot of people. So what was that like when your dad was basically, you know, royalty to these people?
6: sure the the condensed version of the story is is, as a young kid uh, you know i was just self-involved um privileged in many ways didn't really pay attention to the world and didn't really give a you know what about star trek i star wars was exciting star Mm -hmm. wars was fun star wars was adventure uh in star trek you had characters that were talking about uh humanity and the world and the way things are um that really didn't hit me and i was somewhat of a late bloomer until after my father passed away after i was 17 where I heard stories and and letters written to my father, people saying how Star Trek impacted their life, whether they were in a a situation that that, uh, they were told they couldn't become anything, they were held back, perhaps they had a handicap, whatever the case was, it gave them hope for the future. And many of those letters ended with, today, now I'm married, have three kids, and I'm successful at whatever I do. And so for a TV show, and, I'm, and then there have been a few to do this, but for a TV show to inspire someone to reach beyond their perceived limitations, uh, that is something special. And that's something I want to celebrate this year. Is it true?
3: Because, you know, I, I I'm 56. I grew up with Star Trek reruns. Um, but is it true that when it ran, it didn't run for too many years and it really didn't get amazing ratings that it was really it, it, in reruns is when it really kind of took off?
6: You're 100% correct. Uh, it ran for three seasons. In fact, a lot of people out there who know Star Trek heard the that the first pilot that my father created was turned down by NBC at the time, was turned down by the studio uh, because it was essentially too cerebral. It wasn't that exciting. So my father got the chance to make another uh, pilot and it had you know more uh, uh, laser fights and a fist fight with a bad guy and and that, as my father says, sold the show. Um, but it only went three seasons, and each season was a battle, and it it just took time to get out there. It was the young kids, and this is during Vietnam, the young kids who are really sort of into it. They're 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 they want this future, but the general public really didn't grab onto it until much later, until reruns.
3: I had William Shatner on the show, man, almost twenty years ago. But I, I brought up the episode with the green woman. Because yeah. you know, for a young kid, I, I was, <laughs> he practically molested her, and uh, <laughs> he said the paint came off in my hands. So, yep. what's it like to still have Shatner around and and to you know chat with him about old times?
6: Uh, I don't talk to him too often, but I mean, he, he's uh, he's amazing. I mean, he's he's done so incredibly well for himself. Um, he's he's kicking. He's 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 smart. He knows what he's doing, um, and he's a uh, He's really, he, he made the original series uh, an incredible series. I mean, as did the rest of the cast, but you know, it's hard to imagine the original series without a Kirk.
3: Yeah. I know you got to run. So tell us about hashtag think track and other things that are encompassing this uh, centennial year.
6: Well uh, you know, what we're doing is doing what a lot of people do. We're trying to get online. We're trying to get the message out there. Anyone out there who sees anything that, that reminds them of Star Trek, whether it's a cloud in the sky, whether it's two forks in a, in a cup that in the shape of the Enterprise, that we're just asking them to take a picture and get it out there. The idea is just to get the, the idea of Star Trek spread throughout the internet. The idea behind that is really to get the messaging out there. Uh, today, just as the sixties, we need hope for the future. We need people to believe in each other and want to work together for a better future. So. So we're really trying to get that out there with this Think Trek campaign. So if anyone out there sees anything that even looks maybe like the delta shape, the, the triangle symbol of Star Trek or anything, just take a picture and, and put the hashtag Think Trek. It's a, it's a fun message.
3: Great stuff. And by the way, do they still teach Klingon at some schools?
6: I don't think they ever actually taught Klingon at any <laughs> schools, but you can on your own volition go learn Klingon if you want.
3: to. All right. Great stuff from Rod Roddenberry. Celebrating his father's 100th birthday, the centennial year, centennial year of Gene Roddenberry, and uh, once again, hashtag Think Trek. Rod, thanks for dropping by, man, and um, congratulations on the project.
6: Absolutely, Rick. Thank you so much for having me. All
3: right. Live uh, long and prosper, everyone. All right, you too. Um, the, my uncle, who was, uh, you know, as they said, he was um, no longer with us, but when he was in San Jose. He uh, was kind of a little tennis pro, and so he would hit with a lot of people. And um, there was one time, and I can't say who. I know it's kind of bad radio, but let's just say he was the famous owner of a casino. And that guy would hit with him, and he'd say, when are you going to come work for me? When are you going to come work for me? my uncle would be like, ha, ha, ha. No, seriously, you got to come work for me. You're a great guy. I'm going to give you a job anytime you want, huh? and he would hit with them all the time and then um (laughs) they actually the place closed my uncle got laid off and so my aunt was like well you know that blah blah the casino owner he has been trying to hire you for years and so my uncle said he went up to his office and he's like hey how's it going he's like good good um I just want to let you know, and I didn't know if you were kidding or not, but I actually don't have a job anymore, and you said about 100 times you wanted to hire me, so was that real? Do you have a job? And the casino owner said, get the F out of my office. He's like, okay, I guess you didn't mean it. <laughs> I'm right We'll take a quick break. Come on back.
12: Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800-593-7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800-593-7491. 800-593-7491. Call now.
4: Learn how thousands of smart homeowners are investing about a dollar to avoid expensive home repair bills. John, a former non-customer, said... For about $1 a day, you can have all the major appliances and systems in your home, guaranteed fixed or replaced, with HSC's home warranty coverage. Call now, and the first month is free. If the lines are busy, please call back.
0: 800-410-4771. 800-410-4771. 800-410-4771. That's 800-410-4771. Where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store? Boy, hunter, fish, tall. Caught,
10: caught the there so great face the was on his wall. calls me sport But he loves to kill his fun And the power that he feels When he put the trigger on his gun But he's a couple food And he meat, he's a couple
13: days tonic. it
14: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: one 800 eight seven a play Come on in and get heard. Coming up in the next segment, we will have talk.com Sailing takes me away. i got to say, of all the years I've done karaoke, that's right, years nonstop, I've yet to hear to uh, her, that's what I heard, I've yet to hear a Christopher Cross song. Up next, we have Carl. Carl, are you ready? Arthur, he does as he pleases. No. Nobody really nobody really gets into that, do they? Bueller. Bueller. Uh, they always say, who's they? People. When you go to the ballpark, you're going to see something you never saw before. And I hate catchphrases, so I hate the fact that that's often so true. So true. Or at least something that has happened before in baseball, but maybe not for 80 years or something. Well, it was a historic win for the Yankees last night, and not just because their whole team has COVID right now, at least it seems like it, Rizzo and others. Talk about being red hot and having bad timing. <clears throat> but they beat Kansas City 8-6. to six in 11 innings, and the Yankees became the first team in Major League Baseball history to blow four saves and still win. Now, I remember speaking of the Royals, when the A's were playing uh, the wildcard game at Kauffman, they blew two saves, and they lost. No one cares about that. And by the way, the Yankees have won nine of their past 11. Since the All-Star break, they're 16-7. and seven. And now they're only two behind uh, the, uh, the Red Sox. The Rays are in first now. But the Yankees got six scoreless from the surging Jamison Tyon. And remember, he was a first-round pick of the Pirates. He was a huge prospect. His last seven starts, you could say he's one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, and that would be correct because he has a one ERA but they just couldn't push a run across the plate until Luke Voigt's RBI single in the seventh. And by the way, Voigt's back at first place because Anthony Rizzo is on the shelf. Voigt also hit a home run in the ninth. But trading runs, seventh, eighth, ninth. Both teams scored in the tenth, which happens way more than it used to because you get a guy on second base. And by the way, Aaron Boone had to get thrown out again. (laughs) <laughs> it's already. When, when is Aaron Boone not getting thrown out? Um, the funny thing was he was he seemed like kind of a laconic player in his days. He never seemed that fiery, but I guess when you're in charge, that's a little bit different. Um, but they called a balk. Uh, there was a guy on second, and the Yankees pitcher. He bent over and then he stood back up. But as he was standing back up, he took his foot off the rubber and they called a balk and Aaron Boone was like, what the hell? So he's been thrown out the fourth time this season already. Replays showed that Aaron Boone was actually right. But it doesn't matter. You're already thrown out. But anyway, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, it was the first time in Major League Baseball history in which both teams scored in the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th. Can you believe that? First of all, how do you even look that up? You're telling me in over 100 years in baseball, basically going back to the Civil War, the modern age since World War I, we've never had a game where a team is, both teams have scored in the 7th, the 8th, the ninth, and the 10th? That's so hard to believe. So that's one thing that's never happened before. I remember hearing a stat once that in the history of baseball, there has never been a game ever where one team scored a run an inning and had nine runs. There's never been a game, one run, one run, one run, all nine. That doesn't seem too impossible to do, right? But this is why numbers and stats and minutia matter in baseball, and we don't give a damn about any other sport. If I say who's the all-time leading scorer in the NBA, you'll say Michael Jordan. Oh, wait, is it Kareem? I think it's Jordan. You think? No, I'm pretty sure it's Jordan. How many points? What? I don't know. Is it 10,000? Is it 20,000? Is it 30,000? Uh, I, uh, wait, what? That seems too high. Right? How many uh, touchdown passes? What's the record? Uh, Peyton Manning, I think. What is it? 50-something. Is it still Manning? Wait, did Mahomes break it? Yeah, exactly. We don't care. <laughs> we, we celebrate it. We give a standing ovation. They stop the game. He waves to the crowd and gives the ball to the ball boy and makes sure to hold on to this one because I'm going to bronze it. And then we, <laughs> we basically instantly forget. Now, if your whole life <clears throat> is one sport, or your whole life is just sports and you do nothing. Sports is just one part of me. Some people think, see, just watch ESPN all day. I got-. No, actually, when I get done with this show, there's not a lot of sports going on unless my team's playing. Uh, I have other interests. But if if you literally, and you might say, Rick, I happen to know all those records. Well, I know that Wayne Gretzky is the all-time points leader. The most important thing, I'll just throw this in real quick. The most important statistic for me with Wayne Gretzky is that if you took away his goals, he still would be the all-time points leader. Now, that's why there's Wayne Gretzky and then there's 50 feet of crap and then everybody else. That's why he's the great one. I love that. I love that stat. All right. All right. Getting back to the first time teams ever both teams scored in seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth. Um, along the way, Jonathan Sega, blown save. Chad Green, BS. Zach Britton, you blew it. Clay Holmes, haha, you lose. You blew it. And the only other time in the history of baseball a team has blown four saves were the 1995 Astros, and they lost, as they deserved to do. If you blow four saves and you still win, you might as well get in the car and head to a casino and put all your money on your favorite number on the roulette wheel. Hell, you don't even need a favorite number. Just pick a number. It's going to hit. Am I right? I'm right. So in the 11th, DJ LeMayhew, of course, there's a guy on second. Uh... Doubled him home, and uh, then Brent Garter put a couple of uh, runs across, and one of them went off the face of shortstop Nikki Lopez. I mean, you talk about getting being brave. He got down on a knee, and this thing just hit the, the dirt, and it popped up. And I think it hit him. I think it was a double whammy. I think it hit him in the collarbone and then the cheek. Yeah, you will you will wear that. So now Wandy Peralta comes out for the save at the K. Can... The Yankees blow five saves. We're running out of pitchers. We'll get Brock Holt to throw Ephesus. And he gave up an RBI single off of Edward Olivares. He knocked in the run. But, of course, the Yankees scored, as I mentioned, three, so they were able to uh, bring that home. And it was Peralta's third save of the season. So if you're into that whole... Um, Probability, chance, and now um, slang sports and uh, other uh, places. Bro, a pro uh, football perspective does it in football, but they actually have a waveform. You know, like a little Richter scope or uh, um, like it would you'd would see like in a lie detector with the thing going whang, 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 whang. peaks and valleys. I actually saw the a picture of the probability of the win, and it went up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And Aaron Boone didn't see any of it because he got tossed in the seventh for a balk call. But here's the thing. The Yankees are on now now on pace for 90 wins. <clears throat> and if you think about that, they were 500 on the 4th of July. For all of you who were kind of hoping the Yankees would just go away, they're not going away. And, you know, the other thing, too, is if you think about, you know, the wild card. And you got to think that way now, right? Because even with this hot streak, there's still six back. But, hey, man, it's August 10th. That ain't nothing. As the kids would say, that ain't nothing but a a G. Th- Is that what the kids say, Rick? Yeah. And uh, right now, the Oakland A's have taken over the Red Sox's top wild card by a 1,000th a, um, a of a percentage point. 571 to 570. The A's have 1 less win but one less loss and they've won four in a row but the Red Sox in the past 10 games have gone two and eight and the Yankees have gone eight and two but oh there are the Blue Jays who are only three back so the A's and the Red Sox are in a virtual tie and then New York and Toronto are just breathing down their neck the only team with half a shot at it to get involved are Seattle because they're five and a half out you can't count them out uh, they they have a horrible run differential, which to me means they're you know probably not even as good as their record, and you are what your record are obviously, but uh there are the angels at 500, eight games back of the wild card, who feels sorry for the angels? nobody <laughs> I know I don't they're ten out in the division, but here's the thing too. The West has turned into a two-team race. Seattle seven and a half back, but Oakland is only two behind Houston. and I would think Houston's still probably going to win that. By the way, Houston's run differential plus 149, which blows away every other team in baseball, except the Dodgers, who are plus 171. and the Dodgers aren't even in first place. they're four back. Come on back, we'll do a little sailing.)
15: This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk and I'm sitting here with Chris Childers and we are discussing the Seable Sailors program that is at Golden Gate Yacht Club. What exactly is this program?
16: Hey, Karen. The Siebel Sailors Program is an initiative by U.S. Sailing. We're hoping to remove barriers to the sport and and really barriers to continued participation. So U.S. Sailing saw a big uh, dramatic decline among middle school age kiddos who've maybe completed a summer camp but can't figure out how to continue to access the sport. So... The Siebel Sailors Program goes uh, specifically to our uh, sailing communities around the country and tries to figure out ways to remove those barriers by providing equipment, coaching and uh, consulting with each club to figure out ways to increase participation at their center, in their region, and around the country.
14: So what is the
15: relationship between the Golden Gate Yacht Club and your program?
16: Golden Gate Yacht Club has a youth sailing foundation. They uh, applied to be a part of the first round of the Siebel Sailors program. So there was an application process in 2019 and uh, they got in. They are a supporting center. Um, Each region comes with several supporting centers and one primary center. So Golden Gate Yacht Club is one of two supporting centers uh, in the Bay Area, alongside Alameda Community Sailing Center and the Treasure Island Sailing Center.
15: So what is this experience like for these middle school students who come out to sail on one of these sailboats?
16: That is a great question, because one of the things that really called me strongly to this program is what we do here in San Francisco in our unique location is very special to me. I wasn't ready to accept a cookie cutter program from U.S. sailing. But what we're able to do is really organic to each individual center that we do. And of course, at Golden Gate, we have uh, one of the best venues you could ask for we get our middle school kiddos Uh, really pre-high school coming out to see if they want to continue sailing on a high school competitive sailing team to see if they might want to try out keelboats in that environment to see what it's like to learn other great life lessons that you get from sailing what's their experience like day to day we do sailing school just like other folk we do it in a pretty cool place and on a fast fun boat and really just focusing on helping kids have a great time learning how to be good learners and and community members as they're doing it. You know, one of the big things is high school sailing in California is really competitive. One thing Golden Gate Yacht Club really wanted to do with its Siebel Sailors program is provide a feeder program to help out the greater high school sailing program in the Bay Area with more folks who've got a foundation of skills before they even get to high school. But we're really proud that we can get sailors on a fast, fun boat, learning the basics to give them a better shot at having success in high school sailing.
3: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the program. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. A little crisscross applesauce there, and that song always reminds us that uh, Tuesdays at uh, 940 we do a segment with the folks at salesporttalk.com. Normally co-hosting this segment would be Karen Lyle, and we've had Patty Mangan come in a couple of times. And it's our pleasure to welcome back as uh, to the show as a guest and now co-hosting with me the lovely and talented Marie Rogers. How are you, Marie?
15: Hey, Rick. How are you? It's great to be here with you today.
3: Great stuff. Let's bring in our guest, Marie. It is Mike Sudo. He was in the recently completed TransPAC race to Hawaii. Mike, welcome to the show. For those uh, that don't know about TransPAC, what are we talking about here?
17: Well, it's it's a race from uh, Los Angeles, San Pedro, but it would be Los Angeles to Hawaii. And it takes boats anywhere from the fastest boats get there in about five days and the slower boats get there in about two weeks. So it's a... it's a race from, I guess, half the Pacific.
3: Okay. Maria, why don't you ask? I'll, I'll go, I'll do one, you do one. Let's do that.
15: Okay, let's do that. So, um, Mike, uh, I followed you on a tracker the entire time. I know this is not your first attempt. Both of us mm-hmm. were in the race in 2019. 2019, your boat had some problems. Um, how was your effort? How is your whole program different this year? from last year
17: yeah 2019 was almost like a starter transtech was a really good learning experience uh about a third of the way into it our rudder bearing went out that's kind of like uh if you're running a marathon maybe you break your ankle or you severely sprained it so you you we probably it was probably like for a marathon about mile six mile seven so the best thing to do is to walk back to the starting line as opposed to try to complete the race so that's what we did and for 2021 we made sure that Rudder was complete and uh, sealed and ready to go and uh, uh, just more experience and that really helped a lot.
3: Help me with this term uh, here, Mike. Uh, yeah. I know that one of the, uh, the competitors did make it in, but that they had broken their spinnaker and did the race of, the rest of the race with a pulled out head sail. Does that mean there's no mast and they're, like, holding a sail with their hands? I mean, what does that mean? Oh,
17: oh no, a spinnaker is an extra sail, more like a parachute. But uh, you have two or three different sails to use. So the spinnaker makes kind of like for a car, be like put it in fifth gear. Mm -hmm. So the other other sails could make me put you into only fourth or third gear. But it would still be moving forward. So, yeah, the sails with high high winds and stuff, they'll rip, you know, it all depends on the uh, the quality of the sail and then how how windy it is
3: what, what does pulled out mean the spinnaker was pulled out p o l e d pulled out head sail oh yeah they had it, they had it on
15: the on the pole on the spinnaker pole they had it pulled out uh, there's a big spar that comes out and kind of holds it down but you have to you can connect it to the mast hmm and uh, yeah, Mike, you're so dizzy racing. he <laughs> realized what was going on on the other boat.
17: Right. We had no communication with the other boats or anything, so
15: Yeah, well, I, I, have, a, I have a question. if Rick read done. Um, Mike, so okay, this time you started out again after, you know, you had to turn back last time, what was it like? Setting out with a totally refurbished boat, a totally different crew, and you got past the point where you were last time where you had to turn back. What was it like keep heading toward Hawaii this time
17: well we had we had about half the crew from two thousand and nineteen, so we had four out of the eight return with us and uh, mm-hmm. it was uh after you reached the halfway point, most of the boats have like a little celebration party, so that was that was extremely, uh, I mean, you don't want to get cocky, but you know, you're know you happy that you got farther than you did last time. But the goal is to finish, and uh, luckily we completed it this year. So that was uh, really exciting for me, my mom, and our whole crew.
3: How many are in the crew? Because it looks like there's, I don't know, maybe about eight or nine, and then do you sleep in shifts? Uh, how does that all work?
17: Basically, there's eight in the crew, and uh, there's there would be three above at all times and one person would go back to sleep at one hour and then one person would replace them. So every hour there'd be a shift change of one person. So it'd be three hours on and then four hours to rest. But you still never get that eight hours of sleep that you really want. So after about eight or nine days, they're pretty sleep deprived.
15: So Mike, um, for me doing that race, in 2019, I felt that the most arduous part was the sleep deprivation. Mm
13: -hmm. I did
15: okay with all the strenuous parts, stuff breaking in the middle of the night, raining, uh, losing headlamps (laughs) and stuff, (laughs) stuff breaking. Um, what was the hardest part for you?
17: Hardest part for us was we had little things that broke down. So, uh, uh, none of the sales, uh, broke down. So, uh, The boat kept on moving at a fast speed, but downstairs we had a couple engine problems. You need the engine to recharge your batteries because you have all the electronics going on, so the lights and stuff. So we had an engine overheating problem and uh, an Internet problem. So small little things, but uh, not enough to slow us down.
3: A couple more questions from Mike Suda, Rick Tittle, and Marie Rogers here on Sports Byline. Did you have a moment... Of peril, what was maybe the more stickiest situation you had?
17: Probably uh, we're on a, when the boat goes, it's on a heel, so it's all tilted a little bit. So the water that was supposed to come through the ocean to make our salt water into fresh water, couldn't get any water because the the boat was tilted a certain way. So we used our, uh, it was a manual pump. So the salt water uh, desalinator makes about 17 gallons an hour. And the manual pump only goes a gallon an hour. So I guess uh, I just pumped it about six hours a day for about three or four days just to get enough water for us until we uh, both healed the other way. So that was probably a, a part where you know, we're a little not wor- worried, but, you know, no one wanted to slow the boat down to get water.
15: <laughs> so I don't think most people understand that you're out there for a week to 10 days and some of us two weeks, and you're completely self Contained, and you can't get picked up by the Coast Guard when you're in the middle of the ship. I'm sorry, in the middle of the ocean. So if something should go wrong. You're really on your own. There's a life raft. There are also the backup systems, but sometimes the systems, backup systems fail. Um, so you sound pretty casual, but I have a feeling that um, there are times when you guys were um, thinking that the worst could happen before you actually arrived. Now, there was one boat... I didn't make it that was near the finish um, did you hear about that when you're on your boat
17: was that lucky the one with the rudder problem yeah on the Molokai channel that
15: one. yep
17: yeah I heard about that I didn't really know the details of it but I know when a boat has a rudder problem it's like I told Rick it's basically like breaking your ankle while you're running a race it's uh, pretty catastrophic I mean you can still move the boat around but it'd be a lot it's, it's really hard to do
3: the other thing, too, is uh, I heard that there were actually people who came in a day before their hotel reservation, so they had to just <laughs> sleep on the beach or whatever. <laughs>
17: Luckily, there's two types of boats, and uh, they're the race boats, and then their boats are just made with almost, some of them don't even have bathrooms in there, you know, and because uh, it's all about weight. And then there's our boats, which is kind of like, it's called a racer cruiser, which has Nice amenities like cushions and uh, two bedrooms and two bathrooms. So, uh, uh, yeah, half our crew slept on our boat for a few days.
15: Now, I know I know your mom, all of your friends were really sitting on the edge of your of, of our seats, watching you on the tracker because each boat has a tracker, so we can actually watch you on on an app on our phones. And we're extremely excited. Now, I know your mom and I know she is really, really excited. Can you talk a little bit about your family and what you've kind what? of overcome?
17: Uh yeah, my mom's a great lady. She, you know, she realized my dream and she tried to help support her as much as she can. And it was just so nice to see her. She uh was able to fly to Hawaii to meet me there. And I felt like so lucky because I'm one of the I would say most of the owners are the average age of these owners are probably 70 to 74 years old. So uh, uh, being, I guess, a young 54, I was one of the few people that got to see their mom when they docked. So that was uh, probably the best part of the race for me, the very finish. Uh, incredible lady. Love her to death.
3: That's very cool. And, of course, when you're on a ship like that, it's, you know, it's serious business. And then while you're trying to have fun and you're with your friends and, and companions, there still has to be a chain of, of command. So does that, does everybody buy into what they have to do and listen to the skipper? Or do you ever have any like mutinous sorts?
17: Uh, we got really lucky. We had eight great guys and, uh, no, this is what the first boat I've been on in, uh, 10 years, not maybe one argument. That was it. And, uh, I have a captain named Luke Ackerman who, uh, put it all together couldn't you know? He brought. I only knew about four of the crew members, but he brought the other four guys over, and uh, just a, a great person. I just, I just watched. My uh, my goal was uh, my three H's: uh, race with heart, humility, and humor. So uh, that's what I was, that was. That's what I was in charge of. And Luca was uh, calling the orders, navigating, and when things went wrong, he uh, had a plan of action to fix whatever. Whatever uh problems we had.
15: Mike, when you arrived um when you've crossed the finish line in multi channel and when you arrived in Wai marina, stepped on the dock, stepped on solid ground, what were your feelings?
17: Oh, it was the best. Uh we had our other friends uh meet us there and they gave us uh, uh the real the real Mai Tais, you know the ones in the pineapples. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> they cut pineapples for us and stuff, and uh, everyone just celebrated because uh, even, uh, all the people who didn't make it in 2019, they were rooting for us also. So it was it was nice to keep trying and and uh, work hard for something and reaching your goal. I was really happy about that.
3: Last question for you, Mike. Yes. Uh, what type of uh, financial commitment is this? I mean, do you have to pay to just get into the race and then does everybody have to fork out do you get a sponsor how does that work
17: yeah uh there's uh you have a boat like walt disney who i'm not i don't want to say endless supply of money but they got they got the bucks and then we have a we're kind of like the uh, the low budget version of a of a racer and uh for me i think our budget was about forty five thousand. so it's not I mean, it's a lot, but it's not, you know, I mean, if you really wanted to, you can save up for a couple of years and uh, make that team a reality. So I, I, want, I want to encourage anyone who actually wants to try, to try to do this, you can do it. You don't need this unlimited budget and stuff. And uh, I lived on my boat for six months, you know, just to save up some money and rent it out my house. And uh, I was able to make that reality come true.
3: All right, that's Mike Sudo. just completed the trans Pack race, sound like a lot of fun, and uh, Marie Rogers, thanks for stopping by, buddy.
17: Oh, can I say one other thing? Sure. For the armed forces? Uh, One of the guys, he was an ex-Army guy, and uh, he had a little PTSD, and he joined, it's called Warrior Sailing, and uh, he's in charge of the Southern California District, and then they get people who served in the military, and they start them up sailing, and... uh, He's one of the essential guys on our crew right now. So it's called Warrior Sailing, and uh, it's a great program for the military. And I highly recommend any ex-military vet to try it out. It's it's, uh, nationwide, too.
3: All right. Very well said. Thank you very much. You, too. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break and come on back on Byline.
14: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
3: All right. We'll get into uh, some more traditional sports talk. We also have the Lone Ranger coming up. Wood. We have golfer Max Homa. And we have director Martin Campbell of The Protege. That'll be in hour number three. The coach's poll, the coach's preseason poll is out for what it's worth and not too shocking. Alabama is one. And Clemson is two. I know, kind of a snore fest, a little bit of a snoozer. Oklahoma, who, by the way, got two first-place votes. That must have been in the old uh, Sooner State. At three, the Ohio State University is four. They're them Georgia. How about them Bulldogs? They're at five. A&M at six. Notre Dame at seven. Iowa State, we were talking about how they have their best quarterback and their best tailback and their best linebacker in their history all right now. So they are a top-10 team at 8. The Tar Heels at 9? I thought they played basketball down Tobacco Road. And then how about the Queen City? The, your Cincinnati Bearcats are 10 That means above Florida, Oregon, LSU, uh, USC, Wisconsin, Miami, Penn State. And then how about this, 24th, Coastal Carolina. They did win the College World Series a couple years ago. All right, we got a couple more hours. Come on back.
19: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
7: As some lawmakers in Washington will tell you, there's a lot of unknowns in the bipartisan infrastructure bill. It's still on the fast track for a vote Tuesday. Senator John Kennedy, the Republican from Louisiana, tells Fox News this bill is littered with items that will tax his state especially hard.
2: They told us the bill was paid for. It isn't. We're going to have to borrow maybe up to 400 billion dollars to pay for it. They told us there was no there were uh, no tax increases. There are. Uh, My state's going to have to pay $1.3 billion.
7: Bayer, the maker of Roundup Herbicide, has lost another appeal of a jury verdict finding its weed killer causes cancer. It's a company's third consecutive appeals court loss of cases that have gone to trial. A California appeals court in San Francisco refused to overturn the 2019 verdict. A fourth Roundup trial began last week in San Bernardino, California. USA Radio News.
19: They say the Delta variant is spreading fast. In Australia, they're even using the military to enforce new lockdowns. Will it happen here? All this week, Stinchfield answers that and more about the big bad lockdowns. Tune into Stinchfield on Newsmax. Find out about new calls for lockdowns, more masks, and even forced vaccinations. You thought it couldn't happen here. Now, Stinchfield is on tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, exposing the dangers to you and your family. He reveals who's really behind the big bad lockdowns, the real truth you need to know. Over 30 million Americans watch Newsmax. It's on all major cable systems like DirecTV, Dish, and Xfinity. If your operator doesn't carry it, call them. Tell them you want Newsmax. Plus, you can stream it for free on Roku, Samsung, LG, Pluto, Zumo, and more. And don't forget to download the free Newsmax app on your phone and watch it anytime, anywhere don't miss Stinchfield on newsmax tonight
7: united nations is reporting global warming is dangerously close to spiraling out of control warning the world is already certain to face further climate disruptions for decades former communications director for the senate environment and public works committee under president george w bush mark morano tells fox news the u.n. report is not based on science but science institutional theories
20: this is what the u.n. does every three to five years and it's essentially You don't have to trust the science. They're asking you to trust scientific institutions. And this is a political lobbying arm of the United Nations that pretends to be a science panel. They were started in 1988. Their goal is to scare everyone to convince you into, quote, climate action. Al Gore has said these reports are, quote, torqued up. How else do you get the attention of policymakers? One of the lead authors of this report actually says he hopes it impacts the way people vote. And this is a guy in charge of one of the authors who's a climate risk specialist who, who
2: actually potentially financially benefits off the report.
7: USA Radio News.
2: Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, and I want to tell you that arthritis is not a genetic thing, it's not a disease of aging, neither is osteoporosis. Get a hold of my book. It's all in your head. goes into the 25 different diseases you get when you have osteoporosis of the skull. These are all reversible. You take the healthy bone and joint pack, the MSM, vitamin D3, stay away from all the bad foods, including gluten, and guess what? You'll regrow all your bones, including your skull, and your legs, and your hips, and everything else. Contact us at usaradiohealth.com. That's usaradiohealth.com.
7: The open border policy of the Biden administration has created a crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border like never seen before. Now, one Arizona lawmaker is filing articles of impeachment against the Homeland Security Secretary for ignoring the rule of law. Dan Rockey from the Ohio USA Radio News Bureau explains.
21: Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs says he plans on filing articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He made the announcement late last week, citing his department's handling of the migrant crisis at the southern border. Biggs tells Newsmax TV that he recognizes there's a small likelihood of removing Mayorkas from office with the GOP in the minority in the House, but that Democrats in border states may be persuaded to hold a hearing.
22: Well, the goal is to do two things. Number one, it needs to heighten the awareness of the crisis. This has gone beyond cataclysmic, quite frankly, and the left-restream media is ignoring it and the administration's ignoring it. So we have to put pressure there. The second thing is, there are Democrats who, whether they be in Texas, there's some in Texas that are really concerned about the border. And there are also others that are in swing districts. They have to weigh carefully, um, do they allow this to continue, or are they going to face the the music? And so that's why this is going to go. And I think it's so important because if we get a hearing on this, uh, I think Secretary Mayorkas cannot answer the questions that he needs to answer. There's no defense for the action they've taken.
21: From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Narocki. I'm Lance
7: Pry. Thank you for listening. We are USA Radio News.
0: My doctor prescribed me Viagra.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. So it looks like it is official that Lionel Messi is going to be playing for Paris Saint-Germain. And the best thing that ever happened to Mauricio Pocatino was getting fired at Tottenham Hotspur. He won the Ligue 1 Championnat francais He won the French League, right? But now, with that team already up front, with Mbappe and Draxler and Di Maria and Neymar. You add Lionel Messi. You got Wijnaldum and Verratti in the midfield with Hakimi. Sergio Ramos comes over in front of Donnarumma, who just won the European Championship with Italy, as their goalkeeper. So, how do they not win the Champions League? It's just insane, but... You think about Di Maria, um, how important he is. I mean, his goal won the Copa America for Argentina. You you have Kylian Mbappe and Neymar up front with Messi. Now you're going to have to have a really tight midfield with a lot of teeth. That really only gives you room for one creator. Like you you can't play with wings if you have three forwards. Otherwise, you're going to just give up too many goals. But they can just maybe have one creator behind them. And whether that's, you know, Draxlar, they can drop Neymar if they want. He can play in the pocket, actually. If you wanted to put Messi and uh, Mbappe up front, you could put Neymar in the pocket, kind of like the Paul Scholes type of role he used to play for Mannion. I mean, there's so much. This is an embarrassment of riches that they have at the. Uh, Saint-Denis. I almost said Parc de Prince. That's where the national team plays. i actually seen the stadium, the Saint-Denis, the Saint-Denis. It's in uh, northern Paris, but uh, PSG is going to be the marquee team. It's the biggest thing to happen in uh, French sports in a long time for Messi to go there. Alright, what a messy exit. Uh, We have another hour together, and we want you to participate. 1-800-87A PLAY. That is the toll-free line. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
0: 855-325-1780. That's 855-325-1780. Come on, you watch the news. Be prepared to pay more taxes.
5: Then if you owe back taxes or haven't filed in a few years, get ready. The IRS, the largest collection agency in the world, will be coming after you. With the power to collect taxes by any means they want to. Hey, they can freeze your bank account, your passport, even padlock your business. Oh, <laughs> Good times. Look, if the IRS claims you owe them 5000 or more in back taxes and they're coming after you, don't panic. Call my friends at Get a Tax Lawyer First. Their job is to negotiate with the IRS and save you money. They're experts at it. That's all they do. And you can trust them. In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than 1000 If you owe the IRS 5,000
0: or more in back taxes,
5: call now for a free consultation.
0: Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. That's 800-732-9635. Hour 2 of Titillating Sports. You thought it couldn't get any better, but it's better.
10: Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Hour 2 of Titillating Sports.
3: Hey! Check out Channel 9. Check out Rick Tittle. All right, check me out. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast, and uh, around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. And speaking of that, this summer marks the 16th anniversary of the daring rescue of Navy SEAL Marcus Luttrell. You might remember Mark Wahlberg played him in the movie The Lone Survivor. Uh, but uh, behind all this, a lot of this story was left untold, and that's why there's a brand new book out today from Diversion Books called Leave No Man Behind, The Untold Story of the Ranger's Unrelenting Search for Marcus Luttrell, the, naval, the Navy SEAL Lone Survivor in Afghanistan. And joining us right now is Dr. Tony Brooks, the author of the book, a former ranger himself. Uh Tony, welcome to the show. I actually I have three friends who are all Rangers. It's an amazing brotherhood you guys have with with Special Forces. It just if you could, in a nutshell, what, what does being a Ranger mean for you? Because you're a Ranger for life, aren't you?
23: One hundred percent. Yeah, I I would say that being a Ranger is more than just the title. It's living a certain creed. I mean, we have we live by this. Ranger Creed, and most of us do this for our whole lives. Um, It binds us together. If you've never heard the Ranger Creed, I suggest you Google that and read it, and you'll see how powerful it is yourself.
3: I think it's amazing, too. As I said, three buddies, and they all went to high school together. They all became successful rangers, did multiple tours in uh, Afghanistan and Iraq, and yet they're some of the most chill calm people that I know it kind of reminds me when I interview a boxer or an MMA fighter it's like they they know they're tough they don't have to walk around like they're tough they've seen a lot do you kind of have that same persona you're just kind of very calm in your everyday life uh,
23: most people laugh when they find out I was a ranger um, I'm kind of a nerdy looking guy uh, I'm a chiropractor I'm uh, I'm as passive as they come um, in in real life mm-hmm. so yeah when I when I tell about other rangers they're not what you would think not what you would see on the movies (laughs) so i i could really tell that
3: i'll just tell you one quick story is my favorite one that my my buddy told me he said that uh, at one time they were sending them down to um i think it was south africa they were going to help train some south african troops and uh they landed in some little country in the middle of africa and they said this plane is unsafe we got to get a new plane, and so they're waiting by this airstrip for five hours. And they go, you know what? It's not coming. Just get back into this one. He's like, "Why? Well, we thought this one was unsafe." And so they just use that the rest <laughs> of the way. <laughs>
23: yes, it's a it's a lifestyle of doing things that are very unsafe. <laughs> we jump out of perfectly good airplanes. Mm-hmm. We go into you know hell's front door, and we kick it in.
3: No doubt you run to the problem. All right, so, um, and we know Hollywood is Hollywood and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll glitz it up. Uh, so what was, the, and I actually saw um, Marcus Luttrell on a, a talk show once going through the whole thing and, and, you know, he was still, I think, pretty scarred from the whole thing. But w- what is the, the, the different kind of war story you're trying to get across here?
23: Um, I just wanted to tell the war story of, from a perspective of someone who's, you know, thinks they're going into war and they get into war and all they see is the aftermath of war. that's really what um, I saw. Uh, It was my very first mission. You know, we landed on the ground and I was expecting to get into the fight and it ended up being one of the largest casualty events ever in special operations history. So it's just a, a perspective of someone who, you know, doesn't know what they're getting into. I was a young kid, and I learned a lot about war, preparing for it, coming home, and everything in between. And I just wanted to tell the story of these amazing men that went to that mountain to rescue a fellow American, and there was nothing that was going to stop them. And I just happened to be with them.
3: The thing I love about the the whole you know, creed of you guys is that on paper, it doesn't make sense to risk a hundred guys to save one. But that's the thing is that one guy is worth whatever it takes to get him out. And just knowing when you go into combat, you know that you're not going to get left behind. That's just going to make you more effective. Isn't it?
23: Yes. I, I knew that if I was on the other side of the coin, that I'd have a hundred guys looking for me. And that's that's uh, something I can't really explain to the average person, but I would say that it's so powerful that you are willing to die for that one person.
3: No doubt. And I remember that um, the Behind Enemy Lines movie about the guy that was shot down in uh, Yugoslavia, and uh, that, of course, was a, uh, um, a true story about uh, Lieutenant uh, Chris Burnett and, you know, he was trying to contact, and of course he was running from the the local gangs and everything, but he said when he saw the chopper coming over the hill, he started crying because he said he was never more proud to be an American in that moment, knowing that they really were coming for him.
23: Yeah, I, you know, I don't know what Marcus felt when he first saw Americans, but I'm sure it was complete jubilation. Uh, Me on the other side, when we knew that he was alive, it was the same exact reaction. I think I've never been more proud to be a ranger, an American. The fact that he survived to me was uh, a testament of the American will. It just was the the embodiment of it.
3: So for you, you know, when you're when you're in it, you're trained, you're reacting to your training, you're with your brothers in arms, but now you're gonna, you know, cycle back to civilian life, and we know about PTSD and uh traumatic brain uh, injury everything else that our veterans go through how hard was it for you to to say okay now i'm going to be a chiropractor and and get on with my life and you know i was just talking to somebody yesterday who's you know this vietnam vet he had done a film and to this day the guy's 80 years old he still sleeps in a chair to be ready you know how how hard for it was for you to cycle back
23: i'd say it was pretty difficult and it didn't hit me right away. Like you would expect, like right when you get back from a deployment, it was months and months later. And I recognized that I was changing. I was recognized I was being more alert. And to be fair, you know, in war, you have to be 100% alert. But when you come home, it's like everything's moving in slow motion. You know, everyone's driving slow. they everything's moving slow. And all you care about is preserving life. And when you see people do things that kind of push the edge of that in everyday life, it's very upsetting. So that was one thing I struggled with is when, you know, people were driving crazy. I had to take a step back and say, why are these people doing this? And I was distraught. So it took me a while to kind of adapt back to the slower pace of life of, of being in America and not having to be on edge and being safe. But um, I did eventually come to terms with it, and I addressed it. I fixed it. And it is possible, but you have to recognize that it exists first.
3: Last question for you. What do you want people to to get out of this book? What is the the main message that you have, if there is one?
23: I think the main message here is, uh, obviously, leave no man behind. The title means a lot to me. Um, I would like people to know that there's more to this, you know, life than the task at hand. There's a much bigger picture. And if we all work together, anything anything is is possible. I mean, this mission should have never been as successful as it was given the terrain and all the circumstances. We didn't even have maps. I mean, we were in a foreign country where Americans had just been slaughtered. The top fighting Americans (laughs) that exist had just been slaughtered, and we were coming to run in to to rescue them. That shouldn't have been as successful as it was. So if everyone who reads this book recognizes that as a team, you can accomplish anything, and I hope people really take that to heart.
3: The book is called Leave No Man Behind, The Untold Story of the Rangers' Unrelenting Search for Marcus Luttrell, the Navy SEAL." Lone Survivor in Afghanistan, available today from Diversion Books. The author, our guest, Dr. Tony Brooks, who is not a war correspondent or a historian. He was there. Dr. Brooks, thank you so much for everything you've done for the country, and uh, congratulations on the book.
23: Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for listening, and, and thank you, everyone, for your support. I appreciate
3: it. All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports SportsBot.com.
0: That's 800-410-4771.
3: I joined the Army because my father and my brother were in the Army. I thought I'd better join before I
0: got drafted. Son, uh, there ain't no draft no more.
16: There was one?
14: tittle always goes commando
3: welcome back to the show rick tittle with you in san francisco but coast to coast and around the world on the american forces radio network it's our pleasure to welcome to the show pga golfer max homa and he is here on behalf of gillette deodorant which we will uh, get to in a second uh, but uh, max i grew up in the uh, the berkeley area so you As a former Cal Bearer, how many times did you go to Top Dog and Blondie's and Steve's Korean and all that other stuff?
24: Yeah, Steve's is my favorite. If I could go anywhere right at this moment for food, I would go to Steve's. I've been to those places (laughs) far too many
3: times. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, maybe the greatest year ever for Cal alums on the tour, huh?
24: Yeah, this has been wild. Obviously, having somebody like Colin come out has been a big boost (laughs) for us me and uh James and Hei ye are just kind of jumping on his back, but it's been really cool to see you know Cal get some notoriety out on tour uh I feel like it's been a long time coming but uh it's really fun uh to have a, a pretty pretty awesome crew out there uh doing some really good stuff
3: is it weird to be because you're a young man at thirty but you're like a grizzled vet i mean is it weird to be a grizzled vet at thirty
24: yeah it's brutal these kids these kids are so young and they're so young you feel like you're the kid and all of a sudden you wake up and you know we, we there's a funny story we asked you know matt wolf when he won uh the 3m like last year two years ago whatever it was what he did to celebrate and he's like oh well i'm not 21 yet so i couldn't go out and like drink or anything and we're like oh my gosh we are old
3: <laughs> <laughs> so um when you were at cal were you guys at tilden was that your home course
24: no, actually, we, uh, we practice at Metropolitan Golf Links, which is right next to the Oakland Airport. <laughs> so we had to drive a, a bit of a ways.
3: Oh, that's a bit windy down there.
24: Oh, it is very windy. It was off, off your right every day for four
1: years.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so as a uh, Southern California kid and you've got scholarship offers, there, there are a lot of um, you know, SoCal athletes that do end up at Cal, but, but why was that your choice? And what, where did you almost go?
24: Um you know I, I honestly wanted to go to UCLA first and didn't end up getting uh getting recruited to go they had one open spot and gave it to uh Mario Clemens and so next up my my aunt uncle and and my cousins are from uh, El Cerrito so right next to Berkeley so That's where um, I'm from. I don't, oh no way. Yeah, yeah, so they 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 live over that way so yeah so I I've been going up there since I was a kid and I was always a fan of the sports my my uncle uh, Barry would take me to, uh, you know, Cal football games and stuff. So I was always a fan of the school. So once, uh, you know, UCLA was off and I found out that I had a chance to get into Cal, I was, I was over the moon. So, uh, it was a really, really easy decision.
3: Wow. That is too funny. And, uh, yeah, I thought we already had something in common because of the Cal thing, but El Cerrito (laughs) (laughs) EC in the house. All right. So, uh, Listen, we walk into a um, a store, there are a million choices for deodorants. Why is Gillette the choice for you, Max?
24: Well, first and foremost, and clearly most importantly, it works. So <laughs> that's, right. uh, that, that's clearly the most important. I mean, it really does work. We were just last week uh, in Memphis where it's hot as can be, and, you know, I'm using it, and I can tell you that if it, if it could work there, it could probably work just about anywhere. But the, the big reason and, and kind of the kicker is, but, you know, what they're doing for the game of golf is awesome right now. They have this 72 club, which is trying to inspire people to, to you know, work and, and get, you know, get down to shoot a uh, 72 even par uh, in golf. Keep working at your golf game. And they've provided uh, even more opportunity with this thing they call the Next Gen Golf City Tour, which is a bunch of tournaments across the country uh, for just a common golfer to go out there and compete and, and get to play golf, the game, you know, so many people love and, and get to, you know, try their hand and get their competitive juices flowing, which is you know, all anybody can ask for. You know, as you as you, as you have a, a hobby like golf, um, you know, I, I'm I'm fortunate enough to have, you know, tournaments laid out for me every single week. Uh, but not everybody gets the opportunity. So the fact they're doing that, the fact they're trying to grow the game, and the fact they have a, a product that does actually work, <laughs> it's just kind of you know, I, I don't know why you wouldn't.
3: Couple more questions for golfer Max Home. Uh, yeah, the 72 club. This comes from the 72 hours of sweat protection and i always think that's funny i guess that's for that's good for people who are lost at sea but who's not taking a shower i guess if you didn't feel like taking a shower for 72 hours you'll be all right
24: yeah i guess i guess i guess that makes sense i guess i'd rather it be way too long than way too short (laughs) so i'll take as much as i can get
3: All right, so when, when did you know that, uh, you know, outside of your, maybe your high school golf team, but uh, when did you kind of know that, hey, not only am I good at this and I can get a free education, but maybe I can make money off this?
24: Yeah, uh, my, my freshman year, right after my freshman year, I played, uh, actually going into my freshman year, I played a professional golf tournament, I qualified as I am playing the long beach open um which is just you know a city open tournament but it has a pretty good field it's one of the bigger purses um throughout the year and i got to play and i played pretty well i remember saturday i shot like 65 and and played with two professionals uh that day and um i just felt like i I fit and you know didn't feel like completely different or crazy now obviously this wasn't a pj tour event but uh, it still felt like you know a bit of a jump so i felt a little bit more comfortable with my game. And then uh, the summer after my freshman year in college, I played really well, made it uh, pretty deep into the U.S. Amateur, and um, had a lot of good finishes and realized that, you know, bit of, with a bit of a delusion, as I think most people have in, in sports, I, I realized that, you know, if I kept improving at the the rate I was, then I thought that, you know, I, I should be able to make it out, out to the PJ Tour. And, um, you know, as crazy as that, that may sound, um, you know, to, to some at the time, it's just, I think, I think one thing a lot of the guys have that that make it is you you do have a uh, a little bit of a lack of of you know realistic expectations and you can kind of just uh, put your blinders on it and go to work and uh, that was about the timeline of when I was pretty sure I would I would get there at some point.
3: Pretty cool. One more question for you: um, winning your second trophy at uh, the Genesis Invitational in February, and and this is like a hundred year old golf tournament. It's there in Pacific Palisades. Was it? I don't know if they were able to have fans there, but it was. It was it kind of a home game for you, and and had you golfed there before?
24: Yeah, uh, only in the tournament. Actually, we played national championship there my junior year, so twenty twelve. So I played there, but I've been going to that golf tournament since I was like two years old. My dad used to take me every year, so it was like a home tournament. I got to see my mom and 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 sister that week. I got to see a couple of my friends. There were no fans at the tournament, but when there are my, you know, they come out, uh, all my friends and family come out. It's awesome. So, uh, unfortunately no fans this year, but got to, you know, it does feel like a home event. I know that area really well. I've spent a lot of time down there in the Santa Monica area. It's only about a 30 minute drive to, um, you know, where my family lives. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a dream tournament. It's, it's my, it's my backyard. It, it is, it is the one that as I was growing up more so than any other term in the world, the one that I would want to win. So, uh, it was, it was, Yeah, it was crazy. Um, you know, A kid from L.A. winning a tournament in L.A., it, just was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was something I, I'd never, I always wanted to happen, didn't think it would be crazy enough to actually you know, work out, and that it actually did was, was, <laughs> was sweet.
3: Is that, and just, you know, you think about your professional trophies, is your number one trophy still that national championship in the NCAA level?
24: Uh, it was until I got this one. There, nothing <laughs> will ever top this one. The NCA was awesome, but we didn't win the team event, which which was a real uh, sour point on the year. Uh, but th- this one, this one will not be touched. I, I mean, this is as cool <laughs> as it possibly gets in my life.
3: All right, that's Max Homa. Remember Gillette deodorant with their seventy two Club. Go to nextgengolf.org. dot org. Once again, nextgengolf.org. dot org. Max, thanks for coming on and uh, go Bears.
24: Yeah, thank you so much. Go Bears.
3: All right, appreciate it. And, uh, boy, you never know. El Cerrito, he's got cousins. I probably know his I almost asked what their names were, but I try to keep it private. And my friend Roxy Bernstein, who you can hear him on ESPN and a lot of other networks, he always points out when someone's from Cal, and he always points out when somebody's Jewish, too, because he's Jewish. He's like, Oh, Alex Bregman, Jewish. I'm like, oh, okay. A lot of times I, I didn't even notice. Um. So for him, I feel like telling him, hey, Rox, I had a guy who is Jewish and from Cal on the show. And the thing is, he'd probably go, oh, Max Homa. He's the guy. (laughs) He already knows everything. He was the guy when I heard about this young, because he knows more about college sports than anybody I've ever met. Seriously. And he's got this black book with all these great names and guests, too, in it. But, uh, you know, Joe Girardi and these other people who are his friends. But, um. I remember I said, yeah, um, UNR has got this really exciting quarterback from uh, the Central Valley named Kaepernick. He goes, uh, it's uh, Kaepernick. I go, are you sure? It's K-A-E. He goes, I, I know, I know, but but he says Kaepernick. I'm like, okay. He knows everything. All right, I'm Rick Tuttle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back on Sports Podcast.
14: Make sure my office never stops working.
4: With Staples Connect, it's possible. I need to keep my back office stocked without messing up my bottom line. Also possible because Staples Connect has your small business covered with big savings on everything you need. This week earn 30% back in a Staples Store Bonus when you spend $85 on ink or 200 on toner. Explore what's new at your local Staples or staplesconnect.com. Staples Connect, the working and learning store. Limit 4 in-store only. Visit staplesconnectcom store bonus for details. Ends 821. The Dave single from Wendy's made with fresh, never frozen beef has the
0: power to blow your mind. But now that the Dave single is buy one get one for a buck, as well as the spicy or classic chicken sandwich and the spicy or crispy 10-piece nuggets, Wendy's Bogo for one dollar deal is gonna blow your mind and your speakers. Get these faves, Bogo one dollar only at Wendy's. Limited time only. Price and participation
8: may vary. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with combo or any other offer.
0: Eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero, eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero, eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero. that's eight hundred three zero six seventeen sixty. 800-754-4531.
14: Tittle ate two hundred chicken wings at yo mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
3: Damn, that's some messed up stuff. Uh, lines are open. Uh, we have one more guest coming up eleven and twelve, but basically lines are open the rest of the way. And by the way, I'm taking the uh, rest of this week and the first couple of days of uh, next week off, and uh, you will have the dulcet tones of Dominic Jimenez coming in. We got some good guests lined up, Dominic. No idea. always some guests. But uh, Dom will be here for all your sports talk requirements. Uh, If you want to get any question with me, do it today. 1-800-878-PLAY. I think it's hilarious to see that LSU, well, first of all, LSU, Louisiana State University there on Baton Rouge, Death Valley, Tiger Stadium, all that, Great programs and so many sports. One of the best baseball teams. Top 10. You could argue top 10 football. Basketball, they're not top 10, but they're top 25. Huge sports school. And they have a mascot who is a real tiger. Mike the 7th. Mike the 7th. Now, why do I bring him up? The reason is... Is that they announced that Mike the Seventh is vaccinated against COVID nineteen? The LSU Tiger is vaccinated, but I bet you half the fans down there in Louisiana ain't vaccinated. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's just, I guess, to tell PETA. No, he's vaccinated. It's just ironic that if a tiger is smart enough, I don't think it was his call, Rick. I really don't. But if he's smart enough to get one, why can't you? All right. As I mentioned, give me a call. And this is exactly what Charlie in Hell's Kitchen has done. What is up?
25: Hey, Rick. What's going on, buddy? I um, wanted to talk. You're talking about vaccines. And this. I was going to talk about the Raiders and Gerald McCoy and all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. But um, I, Lamar Jackson was on. I saw a clip on the news this morning. And they asked him about being vaccinated, and he says, he says, "Well, I'm, we're still researching it, or something, something to that extent." He's had COVID twice, <laughs> and and pretty bad side effects. Um, and then you have the knucklehead receiver for the Bills,
3: uh, uh, easily. Yeah. So
25: I know the NFL has imposed a stricter uh, policy. With if you call, you can lose it. Uh, a a game if a certain player costs the team not to be able to perform. Why don't they just establish a mandate? If you're not vaccinated, you can't play. Or are they fearful that the quote-unquote stars won't play?
3: This is a matter
25: of life and death. So I'm not understanding why these leagues, all the leagues, are imposing this stricter policy.
3: Because it's just it's America, baby, and you can't tell people what to do. And I just heard, you might have heard too yesterday that the, I guess the joint chiefs of staff is going to make it a requirement for our troops and, and all, you know, army, Navy, yeah. air force, Marines. And yeah, because it, it's just, the thing is you're there to protect us. And if you have COVID you're, you're not. So if you're going to wear Kevlar and, you know, knee pads and a helmet, why wouldn't you want to protect yourself from this too? So, but that is probably going to get fought. Uh, in the courts as well. I know that uh, some states have mandated every teacher needs to get one, and if they don't, they have to get a, a COVID test uh, every other day. Right. I, I don't know why. To me, it's it's very narcissistic that these people who will fly a flag in their yard and, and wear American flag shirts and talk about what patriots they are, and then we say, well, can you just you know help us be safe? And they're like, screw you. I mean, they're just... Right. It's all fake. They don't. They only care about themselves.
25: But I, 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 I'm not questioning Lamar Jackson's intelligence. But he's had COVID twice, and he's had, according to what I've read, really bad reactions to it. But still, he won't get the the, the vaccine. And then you have this. Uh, I can't curse, but this idiot for the Bills who's like, make it like, or if you name something in the name of my wife. Just like. This is this. I don't. I, I just got angry by his reaction this morning when one of the reporters or, or guys were asking him, and he was like just being evasive and like I said, he said, oh well, we're we're researching the vaccine. My my medical staff like
3: just. Yeah, the the hubris to say that you know more than a doctor is what is what cracks me up it would be exactly. the it would be the equivalent of somebody getting off a plane at laguardia from like zimbabwe and then telling you that he knows more about the raiders than you you know it's just it, it makes right. no sense that and then someone's going to sit on the toilet and go through you know a few websites and say well you know deadspin says here it might make you sterile like this is the world health organization. It's not even by country. It's, it's the best scientists in the world. And for me to say, I know more than them because I read an article on the internet while I was sitting on the can is just hilarious.
25: I mean, I mean, and uh, yeah, exactly. And like these baseball players, I mean, like now Rizzo for the Yankees Mm -hmm. has just come down with it. And, and, it was saying that like half the Phillies team isn't vaccinated. I, I just, it just, it's my, it's just angry. It makes me so angry. Uh, his, uh, Jackson's reaction this morning that I, 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 impe- I, was impelled to call you, especially since you're up for the next five days. Well, yeah. I'll call well, dominance.
3: yeah. Well, plus the other thing but, is too is that you know, because you know, masking. You know, it wasn't fun, but we did it. It wasn't that hard, right? And there were times when you'd have to have, you know, DoorDash bring you food and whatever. It wasn't that hard of a sacrifice. But after a year and a half of that and missing out on Army-Navy last year, and I'm, you know, I'm fired up to do the show on The Intrepid, which is going to be amazing. And, you know, last year I did a fishing trip to Mammoth that was completely, we were the only people there. And now, you know, I'm excited to go back again next month. And yet, if 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 it's just like last year where everything's locked down again, it's just like you you know all we have the cure, we, it's right there. It's right. It's like your house is on fire. I'm gonna let it burn because I don't know about this new water thing. No no no. I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> right. I'm gonna wait for
25: it to rain instead of using the, the hydrant. <laughs> but it's, it's not, not, I don't know how much time I have left. But like even DeSantis in Florida, like. Telling he's going to withhold pay if they enforce mask wearing. I mean,
3: it's like, do you know why? It's ripped. because of his fan base or his his constituency. Right. And he this is him. why, yeah. to me, the, to me, right now, the biggest scumbags in our country are the Re- the Republicans. And I was a Republican most of my life till Trump. But it was the Republicans who are trying to downplay January sixth because they know their right. voters they 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 the, they were inside and they were going to get killed and now they got to act like oh it was just some you know it's just they were
25: tours. I, they were tours. <laughs> it was like Ron Johnson from Wisconsin they were tourists oh they're it's defecating, just defecating they're defecating in 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 their offices and stealing uh, yeah but they were tours. There i know are, I,
3: Robert E Lee didn't even get the stars and bars in a rotunda but Maynard from Boogers, Mississippi got the stars and bars on there <laughs>
25: Oh, well. All right, Rick. I had to vent a little before you go on vacation.
3: All Bye, right. Buddy. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. All right. That's uh, Charlie out there in uh, New York City. And look, this isn't a a political show. I, I just always try to be reasonable. You know what I mean? And, and the thing is, is that I've always found like when I'm in a super liberal place, I'm a little more conservative. And then when I go to a super conservative place, I'm really liberal. And what I've found is I'm just middle of the road. I, I just, I hate extremism on both sides. You know, this, this newscast we have for the top of each hour, I always say, give it a skip. You can really give it a skip because all they do is just kiss Fox news's butt. That's all they do. Why? Because they're probably getting numbers. This is what the people want. This is what the people want. All right. Back to sports. It's too late, Rick. I already turned you off. Why are you still listening? I used to get these texts at 95.7 on the text line saying, I'm never listening to you again. Or they would say something really mean. I bet you don't read this, but it doesn't matter because I'm going over to KNBR and I'm never listening to your station again. I'd come back from the break and I said, this guy in the uh, in the 415, if there's anyone listening to me on the planet, I know for a fact it's him because he wants to see if I'll read his text. I got you, schmuck. All right. One... One eight hundred eight seven eight P L A Y. You ain't got no alibi, you ugly. There, I can't believe there are rumors that Michael Thomas might be getting traded from the Saints, and he had a lot of injuries last year. He got suspended at one point. the 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 front office would call him. He didn't return calls for months. Sean Payton kept lamenting his offseason surgery that will keep him sidelined. He said that, uh, and then Thomas says, you guys are trying to damage my reputation. So after a year of this, the Saints might be willing to just say bye-bye. And this is one of the very elite receivers on the planet Earth. You cannot put them outside of your top five, and if you want to put them number one, I'm not going to argue with you. New Orleans is still built to contend, and they have survived without Thomas before. But when you're kicking off a new era with a new quarterback that is not as good as Drew Brees, pick whoever you want there, whether it's Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston or a draft pick or a free agent, whoever it is, it's not going to be Drew Brees. You need all the help you're going to get. But the Saints are still trying to claw their way out of a salary cap hole. And if they trade Thomas, they'll save a million. Is it really worth getting rid of the best wide receiver in the history of your team? Remember, in 2019, he signed a five-year, $96.3 million extension. But here's the thing: there's no guaranteed money after this year, so it's just fueling the speculation of where he could land. And I think about the Eagles. Howie Roseman is—he never—he says, "I don't like injured guys." What you got, Devonte Smith uh, with Jalen Hurts? Remember, they tried to get DeAndre Hopkins. You could put him on the other side. The Jets are desperate for Zach. But you see Zach Wilson played in basically their green-white game and threw three interceptions. (laughs) That guy Denzel Mims they took last year in the second round, they don't even play him. The Chiefs, Tyreek Hill, Mecole Hardman, and I don't even want to think about that. The Patriots, they're desperate. They went and got Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar and John Smith and Hunter Henry, who's who's hurt. Somebody from Mac Jones. Obviously the Ravens. I mean, you think about Richard Bateman, Sammy Watkins, and then Marquise Brown, they think you're all right, but that would be one. But you know, to me, if you think about you're know, the Chargers, you got Justin Herbert, they got a lot of cap space. Keenan Allen's getting a little older, Mike Williams, you can put him in there. But to me the ultimate fit, just for fun, well, would be the Raiders, but just for fun would be the Jags. They have thirty million in cap space right now. And the best wide receiver Trevor Lawrence has is DJ Chark. So that would probably be the one. But then again, don't put it past Parag Marate and John Lynch to get him in San Francisco. All right, I'm Rick Tittle, we'll take a quick break. Come on back on Sports Bot.
0: That's 800-693-8290. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. Have you been diagnosed with cancer? Are you one of the millions who have taken Zantac or other generic versions of this popular drug to help treat stomach issues? Then pay close attention to this message. The FDA said it detected low levels of a probable cancer-causing chemical known as NDMA in Zantac and other generic forms of this popular drug. 800-251-7460, 800-251-7460. That's 800-251-7460. I'm sorry, it's the,
18: it's the pleats.
19: It's, a, it's actually an optical illusion. It's the pattern on the pants. The, it's not fla- flattering in the, the crotchal region. I'm actually taking them back right now, taking them back to the, the pants store.
14: is a majestic stallion.
3: Majestic, I tell you. That's what I say. By the way, there are still some big names out there in NBA free agency. Well, somewhat big names. (laughs) Some restricted. Some unrestricted. Dennis Schroeder, or he says Schroeder. The L.A. Lakers, by the way, offered him a $84 million extension, and he said no. So they had to get out. And get Carmelo Anthony. I know they play different positions. Larry Markinen said his time in Chicago is over. Where is he going? Paul Millsap's gonna be 37 years old. You think, oh, 37, he'll be a Laker. Avery Bradley, the Rockets declined uh, his option, which was only five point nine. JJ Reddick. You know, the funny in his season was kind of derailed for a uh, uh, an injury, but, uh, you know, he wants to be close to his Brooklyn home. Um, but for me, the Andre Iguodala signing for the Warriors, um, I, don't, I mean, what's, what's he going to do? He's just going to be a good guy to have around. Hunter Pence mascot. All right, we have another hour to go. We got Martin Campbell on the other side. Come on back, y'all.
19: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
7: As some lawmakers in Washington will tell you, there's a lot of unknowns in the bipartisan infrastructure bill. It's still on the fast track for a vote Tuesday. Senator John Kennedy, the Republican from Louisiana, tells Fox News this bill is littered with items that will tax his state especially hard.
2: They told us the bill was paid for. It isn't. We're going to have to borrow maybe up to 400 billion dollars to pay for it. They told us there was no there were uh, no tax increases. There are. Uh, My state's going to have to pay $1.3 billion.
7: Bayer, the maker of Roundup Herbicide, has lost another appeal of a jury verdict finding its weed killer causes cancer. It's a company's third consecutive appeals court loss of cases that have gone to trial. A California appeals court in San Francisco refused to overturn the 2019 verdict. A fourth Roundup trial began last week in San Bernardino, California. USA Radio News.
19: They say the Delta variant is spreading fast. In Australia, they're even using the military to enforce new lockdowns. Will it happen here? All this week, Stinchfield answers that and more about the big bad lockdowns. Tune into Stinchfield on Newsmax. Find out about new calls for lockdowns, more masks, and even forced vaccinations. You thought it couldn't happen here. Now, Stinchfield is on tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, exposing the dangers to you and your family. He reveals who's really behind the big bad lockdowns, the real truth you need to know. Over 30 million Americans watch Newsmax. It's on all major cable systems like DirecTV, Dish, and Xfinity. If your operator doesn't carry it, call them. Tell them you want Newsmax. Plus, you can stream it for free on Roku, Samsung, LG, Pluto, Zumo, and more. And don't forget to download the free Newsmax app on your phone and watch it anytime, anywhere don't miss Stinchfield on newsmax tonight
7: united nations is reporting global warming is dangerously close to spiraling out of control warning the world is already certain to face further climate disruptions for decades former communications director for the senate environment and public works committee under president george w bush mark morano tells fox news the u.n. report is not based on science but science institutional theories
20: this is what the u.n. does every three to five years and it's essentially You don't have to trust the science. They're asking you to trust scientific institutions. And this is a political lobbying arm of the United Nations that pretends to be a science panel. They were started in 1988. Their goal is to scare everyone to convince you into, quote, climate action. Al Gore has said these reports are, quote, torqued up. How else do you get the attention of policymakers? One of the lead authors of this report actually says he hopes it impacts the way people vote. And this is a guy in charge of one of the authors who's a climate risk specialist who, who
2: actually potentially financially benefits off the report.
7: USA Radio News.
2: Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, and I want to tell you that arthritis is not a genetic thing, it's not a disease of aging, neither is osteoporosis. Get a hold of my book. It's all in your head. goes into the 25 different diseases you get when you have osteoporosis of the skull. These are all reversible. You take the healthy bone and joint pack, the MSM, vitamin D3, stay away from all the bad foods, including gluten, and guess what? You'll regrow all your bones, including your skull, and your legs, and your hips, and everything else. Contact us at usaradiohealth.com. That's usaradiohealth.com.
7: The open border policy of the Biden administration has created a crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border like never seen before. Now, one Arizona lawmaker is filing articles of impeachment against the Homeland Security Secretary for ignoring the rule of law. Dan Rocky from the Ohio USA Radio News Bureau explains.
21: Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs says he plans on filing articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He made the announcement late last week, citing his department's handling of the migrant crisis at the southern border. Biggs tells Newsmax TV that he recognizes there's a small likelihood of removing Mayorkas from office with the GOP in the minority in the House, but that Democrats in border states may be persuaded to hold a hearing.
22: Well, the goal is to do two things. Number one, it needs to heighten the awareness of the crisis. This has gone beyond cataclysmic, quite frankly, and the left-wing media is ignoring it and the administration's ignoring it. So we have to put pressure there. The second thing is, there are Democrats who, whether they be in Texas, there's some in Texas that are really concerned about the border. And there are also others that are in swing districts. They have to weigh carefully. um, Do they allow this to continue or are they going to face the the music? And so that's why this is going to go. And I think it's so important because if we get a hearing on this, uh, I think Secretary Mayorkas cannot answer the questions that he needs to answer. There's no defense for the action they've taken.
21: From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Narocki. I'm Lance
7: Pry. Thank you for listening. We are USA Radio News.
0: You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic, and maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? Pet Joy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right totally risk free what do you have to lose you can't buy pet joy multivitamins in a store the only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer and if you call right now learn how to get two bottles free with your order turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper ain't that right boy he said call pet joy right now 800 846 2153 That's 800-846-2153
22: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
17: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so
6: fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
3: Hey, 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 we got another hour together. What you get is what you got. Didn't the, didn't the Beatles say that? Oh, wait, no, they said the the love you make is equal to the love you take. I thought it was what you get is what you got. I like that better. I remember hearing a comedian when I was a kid, he just always said, don't you hate that's how they get you? It's like, you know... You go to a restaurant and they fill you up on bread and then you can't eat your steak. That's how they get you. It's like what? You take your half-eaten steak and they give it to somebody else? That's how they get you. Or if you get into the Jeff Foxworthy thing, said so Southerners invent their own words. One of them is, would you, did you? You didn't bring your truck, would you, did you? And then uh, they make up words that mean something else like aorta. Or to give you more fries than this extra value meal. Alright. Let me know when we're back. Am I on vacation? Yet? Not yet. 1 800 878 PLAY. You ain't got no wildabout. You ugly. You ever done any of that axe throwing, Dominic? That's the new thing. Axe throwing? Have you tried it? Yeah. Oh. Uh, it turns out it's really just kind of hatchet throwing. But it's completely simple. You just wanted to, yeah, want to give one turn. I remember my dad taught me how to throw a knife. Not that he was a KGB assassin or anything, but you hold, you find the center of gravity on the knife. You hold the blade toward you, and when you throw it, you want it to just do a half turn. So you have to think about it turning just over one time. And uh, I thought I would use the rest of this show to talk about uh, throwing stars and all the other type of martial arts, uh, weaponry. We can get into that. We'll also talk to uh, Martin Campbell, who's here to talk about his film, The Protege, which uh, I heard Jan is in this thread. She's not coming in this hour, is she? (laughs) They just wanted to make her feel included. Yeah, she got mad when I had Tim Robbins and uh, Ken Burns on. She She got really mad. All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back for hour number three.
12: It's baseball season, and you're ready to go all out. So you ordered the essentials to make game day a success, like a jersey, a power recliner, and a bigger screen. And you used your Bank of America customized cash rewards credit card, choosing to earn 3% cash back on online shopping. Rewards that you put toward an essential piece of the celebration, an air horn. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Copyright 2021, Bank of America Corporation.
0: Call Quit Drugs 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
21: At 28, I had struggled with opiate and meth addiction for 12 years. I did and said things that the sober me never would have done. One day I realized I was not invincible. I was not exempt, and that's when a friend told me about Elite Rehab Placement. They gave me the tools I needed to get sober, and all it took was the one phone call.
0: That's 800-403-5912. Titillating
10: sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius, the best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a, he's so handsome. He's a genius.
3: Hey, thank you so much for that and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you in San Francisco, but coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show filmmaker Martin Campbell. He has directed a new movie called The Protégé, which will be released uh, via Lionsgate in theaters on August 20th. Martin, welcome to the show. First of all, um, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover, but when I look at these stars, Michael Keaton, Samuel L. Jackson, I mean, this it must be a, a feast for a director to work with such uh, seasoned pros, huh?
18: Oh yeah, it it really is a feast, honestly. Um, well, Sam Jackson speaks for himself, of course. I mean, he's a terrific actor, chameleon really. And uh Michael Keaton, you know, um you, you, It doesn't get much better than that. And uh, also, particularly Maggie Q, who uh, uh, um, was terrific to work with and a very fine actress and also physically um, can do just about anything.
3: Yeah, I had Maggie Q on my show a few months ago. And, uh, you know, she's just so talented in so many ways. And is that hard when you're doing casting? Like you might have the perfect actress or you might have the perfect fighter, but to, to, to combine both of those, uh, you know, disciplines, it's, it's not easy, is it?
18: Well, no, but uh, you know, you just need to look at Maggie's work. I mean, first of all, you know, forget all the action, but, um, just her ability as an actress is, uh, is notable. And, uh, that's really why I cast her. I looked at her work, um, and i remember seeing a clip with ethan hawke she was a, a, a love story i just saw this three minute clip and i thought she was absolutely terrific um on the physical side of course she trained with jackie chan that doesn't come better than that so um she in the movie she does uh most of her own stunts um probably about 98 percent of them herself um and uh, uh and and michael again is um uh Sort of terrific to work with. He's such a, he's such a, uh, what's the word? A quirky actor. He's he's so interesting as an actor, and uh, I was very lucky to get them. I have to say.
3: You know, the other thing is too when i when I look at your work and you know you've had so much success, but I look at your Bond films because GoldenEye that was Pierce Brosnan's first, and then Casino Real and that was Daniel Craig's first. So as they're trying to establish. Their own James Bond. You're trying to, to, to direct a movie, so I mean, it, it's such an iconic character. Is that some? Was that an added little, like mouth-watering thing to embrace, or was that just kind of raise the uh, the the pole even higher to jump over?
18: No, you know what? It, 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 certainly, in the case of Pierce, um, it was easy. Pierce always wanted to play Bond. In fact, he tested for it. He was going to be Bond um, before Tim Dalton. I mean. Mm-hmm. It, Instead, Dalton got the part, but um, uh, Pierce couldn't do it because he had TV commitments they wouldn't let him out of. Um, and he sort of uh, he, he embraced the part. I mean, he he was uh, he was a big Bond enthusiast. So he was well prepared, if you see what I mean, beforehand. And when we did Casino, of course, Daniel Craig um, fitted into the kind of rebooted uh, Bond um, Re- rebooted Bond sort of um, franchise. I mean, we 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 brought him back to earth basically, mm-hmm. and uh, and Daniel was um, certainly the right man for the job. A terrific actor, obviously, but also very much part of you know the um, very very much now, if you see what I mean, and. Uh, uh, and you've seen his work. I mean, it's absolutely terrific.
3: No doubt. A couple more questions from Martin Campbell, director of The Protégé. So let's talk about the the plot, uh, as it were. Um, can you just give us a little thumbnail about uh, what the film is about, please? Well,
18: I can't. Well, the, really, it's about Uh, two assassins, as simple as that. That's Michael Keaton and uh, Maggie Q. And it's really the uh, relationship to I can't say too much about the plot because it's quite complex, the plot. Uh Um, And there are a lot of surprises in the movie. Um, I think you think it's going one way when suddenly it it turns in another direction. Um, But really, the relationship between them, both of them, and also her relationship with her proxy father, who, of course, is um, Samuel Jackson is um really important but it's her relationship with um, michael keaton that is the is i think the backbone of the story if you see what i mean and uh uh they're both assassins in the story both you know very uh, good at what they do but it's their relationship which really is the spine of the movie
3: And for you as a, as a Kiwi, um, you know, moving to, to England, what in the seventies, um, are you, uh, do you feel almost more, more British than, than New Zealand at this point?
18: Absolutely. Oh yeah. Well, I, I, I worked in television a lot in the, um, really from about 1980 onwards at the BBC and commercial television and didn't really get to Hollywood until 1990. So why i made my first film there so yes you're absolutely right more british i think <laughs> than new Zealand. did you work over at the Beeb and shepherd's bush and all that oh yeah have you been there yeah oh you have you know well it's all changed of course in my day but uh, from my day but um yeah it's exactly where i worked uh in shepherd's bush in a grotty little office you know yeah over, it... o- o- overlooking shepherd's bush next to the the pub there the bush you know <laughs> you pub. could
3: you could go down to loftus road see qpr there white city
18: all that oh yeah oh yeah well, of course they've pulled down the whole of that bbc building the bbc is all gone mm-hmm. I mean, they've pulled that down and redeveloped it into apartments all the usual stuff but um no in our days the bbc was great how close were you? I mean, you probably just missed
3: Monty Python and John Cleese doing the Ministry of Silly Walks down the street. Did you? You were a little
18: late for that. Well, a, a direct. I mean, don't forget that it was seventy one. I think wasn't seventy two. Mon- Monty Python yeah. started, I think. Uh, but talking of the Ministry of Silly Walks, I still get into hysterics watching that thing. I, I can <laughs> I can look it up on YouTube just give myself a big laugh. Yeah. <laughs>
3: No matter how many times I see it, no, it's evergreen. It's brilliant. All right, so um, last question for you. We're speaking about the protege, uh, made for vengeance. As a as a director, are you at the point in your career where you you think to yourself, look, uh, I, I can't, um, you know, um, wring my hands about what I left on the cutting room shor- floor. Or maybe I I left in, or is that still the kind of thing when you screen it? Are you do you second guess yourself, saying, ah, why didn't I do this or that?
18: No, I never think do that. Um, first of all, I leave very little on the cutting room floor, Mm -hmm. um, and because I shoot a bit like John Ford, which is, you know, you cut out the clapper boards and you just join the two bits of film. Um, so, um, so I, I never really have any regrets, you know, in editing, I go through it very thoroughly and frankly, you know, there's the odd time I look at it and think, well, should I have put that scene back? Maybe, maybe not. But not a big deal. Once I, it's gone, once it's once it's out the gate. Quite frankly, uh, I have no, um, you know, I don't second guess it at all.
3: Last question for you: When you worked with Ray Winstone, is he hard in real life?
18: No, he's terrific, Ray. <laughs> no, no, he's he, he's true, You know, years ago, in 1977, I was the lion producer on Scum. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. <laughs> no, it's a great movie, and it was ray winston's first movie and it was about a what they call them borstals in england mm-hmm. so you know young men who are t- troubled if you know what i mean that have um that uh have either committed crimes whatever it may be are put into these institutions they call borstal and uh this was a terrific film and that's where he made his name on that movie if you ever get a chance you should get it up called scum right really I'm
3: writing it down right now. We've been speaking with the very seasoned and successful director, Martin Campbell. The new film is called The Protégé, Michael Keaton, Maggie Q, Samuel L. Jackson, and uh, other great stars. This will be available on August 20th in theaters uh, from Lionsgate. Martin, a real pleasure having you on. Congratulations on the film.
18: Thanks very much indeed.
3: All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break, and we have open lines the rest of the
0: That's 855-325-1780. Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. Sold.com is here to help you sell your home for the most money and with the least amount of stress. There are new ways to sell your home that you've never heard of before. Did you know there are companies who will offer you cash for your home? 1759 449 again that's 800 449 1759 do you own an annuity either fixed rate indexed or variable are you paying high
5: fees and getting low returns if so annuity general would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity the annuity do's and don'ts for baby boomers contains the little known truths about annuities
0: 800-760-1845, 800-760-1845, 800-760-1845, that's
12: 800-760-1845. When do broadcasters go too far? Where does hilarity stop and vulgarity begin?
2: fans back then
1: i knew you couldn't stop this rap no mc could rock like that In the new style came the bass got deeper he gave up the mic and bought you a beeper. do you want to
21: rap or sell
14: don't ask rick tittle to bring it because it already done got brought
3: it uh got brought in the form of open lines come on in and get heard martin campbell though i mean about as uh, accomplished as it gets. She's almost 80 years old, but um, he did The Mask of Zorro. That's when Catherine Zeta-Jones made her Hollywood debut. She was in a show as a young little Welsh beautiful girl called The Darling Buds of May, <laughs> which you would never have over here. Um, but he did Edge of Darkness and then the, the remake and all that as well. He did Green Lantern. He did... The Foreigner, speaking of Jackie Chan. Anyway, pretty cool to uh, have such an accomplished director on the show. So Lionel Messi, a guy who I once, I know it sounds cliche, rode an elevator with. After more than 20 years, 778 games, 672 goals, 35 trophies, 10 La Liga titles, 4 Champions League titles, All the records and honors, Lionel Messi has left Catalonia. And even as he was packing his bags to go to Paris for a new existence. And by the way, his wife is his uh, hometown sweetheart. So, I mean, that's one way of knowing a girl's not after your money when you're that big. But she couldn't be prettier. I mean, Argentina. I've always been told has some of the most beautiful women you've ever seen. I'm like, that was the girl next door in your hometown. Wow. She's just, she's, uh, she seems really sweet. Anyway, um, they're heading to Paris with the kids and Lionel Messi very much feels like he got stabbed in the back. And to try to understand how you take a six time Ballon d'Or winner and let him leave the greatest player in the history of your team, your country, maybe the world, is very complicated. And even when it went down, we were trying to figure out exactly what happened. But remember, big, these big uh, teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid, they actually have elections for their presidents. And there's a guy named Juan Laporta, who is in charge at uh, Barcelona right now. And apparently he sat down with Messi and he said, look, we're in debt. And I got the investors on my back and, um, it, uh, but we can get a deal for you. And I've, I've actually produced two different contracts. One is a two year contract and the other one is a five year contract. And Messi said, I'll take the five year contract. And that's what got reported. They shook hands They didn't sign anything. They shook hands. But then Laporta started hearing from his investors because when they looked at the books, they thought because of the pandemic, they lost 200 million euros. But when they did a deeper dive, now this is a report, take it or leave it for the truth, but they said, we've lost 500 million euros. Now I know the new comp, the stadium is all season tickets. That's a lot of gate, but 500 million euros, a half a billion euros, they were out. And so here's the thing. Laporta owes his presidency to put put down their money, and it's a guarantee of 15% of the budget. So now those forces don't want any money spent on anything. They're panicked to get out of the debt they have. And so what he had to do was go back to him and say, we're in debt. But here's the thing. Now the league steps in because the president of La league is a guy named Javier Tebas. Then he met with Laporta and he said, you know, I can approve the messy deal, um, but your private equity group would have to inject $2.7 billion into La Liga, and own 10% of the league. And then 90% would then get trickled down to the other clubs. They would agree to that. But the problem was that Real Madrid said no. (laughs) They thought that was a stupid deal. And by the way, 15% or about 40 million euros. So Laporte knew perfectly well the only way they could keep Messi would be by accepting any terms that Real Madrid would come back. And Real Madrid doesn't care about Barcelona. Why should they? They're their big rival. They're the really their only rival when it comes to cash. So that's when things went from bad to worse, and the numbers just didn't add up. And um, with Messi's wages last year, the wage bill was 110% of the income. So they were losing more and more money. But the most worrying aspect in the opinion of, of a lot of people was the fact that Laporta decided he just was not going to give Messi a contract, but then tried to explain it to his father, who's also his agent. But he decided on Tuesday that is just absolutely no way it was going to happen. And Laporta blamed La Liga, and he blamed their last lack of flexibility in this investment of 2.7 billion euros. But what really irritated people was that they already had the resignation of the director, Jaime Yopis, because he felt Barcelona didn't do enough to keep Messi. You know, the old saying, if there's a will, there's a way. But Yo piece on the way out said, I didn't want to cause such a commotion. I resigned to have the freedom to be able to say what Barcelona fans think and demand, transparency, which is something that has been lacking. Leo even said so himself. They don't do everything that could have been done. So the most damaging revelation is probably is that on the day of the Messi announcement, Laporta was spotted in a top Barcelona restaurant with Florentino Perez, who's the president of Real Madrid, and Andrea Agnele, who's the president of Juventus. Remember, those were the three clubs of the breakaway European Super League that still haven't officially withdrawn. So Yopi said, nobody can understand that while Barcelonistas are crying about Leo leaving, Laporta is enjoying a fish supper with Real Madrid's president, that doesn't paint a very good image. And look, the Barcelona financial common sense is understandable, but Messi, when he wins the Copa America, he comes home, he handshake on a new five-year deal, it's announced, and then he goes on vacation with his family. It Messi was heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken. And even when Barcelona asked him to take a 50% pay cut, He just said, yes, he didn't even try to negotiate. He just said, yes. But after this successful cup, he finally won something with Argentina. He finally can be mentioned in the same sentence as Diego Armando Maradona down there, but the fact is at 36 years old, he probably thought he could still be able to get it done. And that's when he, when this was all going sour, he started talking with Ses Frabigas. He started talking with David Beckham. In other words, he started talking about going to Major League Soccer, and that would have been a complete shame. As exciting as it would be to have Messi in America, he doesn't want to p- play in some backwater podunk minor league like MLS. So when he was on vacation, he was in Ibiza, and he was there with Neymar. He was there with Angel de Maria. So Neymar's is his Barca teammate from Brazil. Di Maria is his teammate with Argentina. Leandro Paredes as well. Marco Verratti, who all play for Paris Saint-Germain, those last three. And so they worked it out. They worked it out. And, you know, uh, as I said, heartbroken to leave. But you think about after I said, you know, he went there as a very, very small kid to La Masia, the barn. And in fact, they had growing pills. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but they said make sure he takes his growing pills. Nothing underhanded. But to go now with a team that already was one of the Champions League favorites in PSG, um, he's got an Argentine manager in Risha Pocatino who played. For the national team. In fact, it was him that gave up the penalty to Michael Owen when they lost to uh, England. Sorry, when they beat England. That's when David Beckham got the uh, red card. Um, But still, uh, it's good for soccer that Lionel Messi is going to be in the Champions League and not being at PayPal Stadium by the San Jose Airport. Nothing against that because I love the quakes. (laughs) I do love the quakes. But, it's just, it's too early. Ibrahimovic found that out. It's too early for me to retire in America. <laughs> I have to go back. So um, you talk about big business. What Barcelona, Real Madrid do dwarfs anything any NFL or the Yankees do. It just dwarfs it. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Byline. Who's
13: watching? Tell me who's watching
18: watching me
6: The Dave single from Wendy's made with fresh,
0: never frozen beef has the power to blow your mind. But now that the Dave's single is buy one, get one for a buck, as well as the spicy or classic chicken sandwich and the spicy or crispy 10-piece nuggets, Wendy's Bogo for $1 deal is going to blow your mind and your speakers. Get these faves. Bogo $1 only at Wendy's.
8: Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Pallet for item of equal or lesser value cannot be combined with combo or any other offer.
4: Microband 24 protects against staphylococcus aureus and enterobacter aerogenes bacteria, but does not provide 24-hour protection against viruses. Every time you touch a surface, you leave behind bacteria. Use Microband 24 sanitizing spray to keep surfaces sanitized all day. Spray on hard surfaces to kill 99.9% of bacteria and viruses initially, including the virus that causes COVID-19. Microband 24 keeps killing bacteria for 24 hours, touch after touch. When used as directed, Microband 24, touch after touch, it doesn't give up.
0: My doctor prescribed me Viagra.
18: teams have four attempts to move the ball ten yards. So if you see a graphic on your screen that says first and ten, that means it's the team's first attempt to get ten yards.
14: crazy. Use a D-O-G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: Goodness gracious, what is going on? 1-800-878-PLACE. So suddenly I have a bad accent and I'll stop doing that right now. I said I would stop. All right, I stopped. Uh, You know what? I'm going to keep talking about soccer. What do you think about that? Except this time i will talk about United States National Team. That's what I'm going to talk about. United States National Team. Because they're back, baby. They're back. They're not humiliating us anymore. I never did care myself. Well, I did. And you miss out on a World Cup cycle. You humiliate all of us. You make an ass out of you and me. And so uh, Greg, Berthal- Greg Berhalter, General Berhalter, Has 26 wins so far. He's tied with Steve Sampson, fifth most. Uh, He's done that in 35 matches. But what, what he's done is he is talking about growing just the confidence and belief. He said, I think the guys are getting used to winning and really understanding what these games look like. That was the objective of this summer. We used two different groups for both tournaments. And we wanted to expose these guys to what CONCACAF competitive games look like. When you go down two minutes into the Nations League final and you have to come back and then you go down again and you have to come back and then you eventually win in overtime, it shows a lot how these guys can stay calm and pressure-pack moments and handle any situation. And yeah, it was just nine days ago that Miles Robinson knocked in that goal in the 117th minute to beat Mexico to win the um the gold cup. And then of course the USA mentioned went down tied went down tied won 3 2 over the um the Mexicans in that Nations League final. And that was Christian Pulisic stepping up to the spot against uh, Ochoa who's been the goalkeeper there basically since Jorge Campos. <laughs> and uh, hitting the penalty to hit it in. But the thing that's finding their stride with an unusually young lineup, and we talked about how the Gold Cup had an average age of 24 years. And that's why Berhalter believes this is only going to improve. Quote, I think it's a big step for this younger player pool. We have one of the youngest national teams in the world right now, and for these guys to get used to winning but also believing that they could do it is really important. Our next step now was World Cup qualifying in the fall. There's 14 games in the World Cup qualifiers. It's going to be 14 finals. And I think as a coaching staff, the one thing we're pleased with is these guys have been in this situation before. And we're ready to go, ready to handle it. Now, here's the thing. As I said, this summer... Why did you need that Nations Cup when you had the Gold Cup? Well, it was scheduled, and the Gold Cup got bumped a year. Now we got to do both. And, oh, by the way, uh, September 2nd is El Salvador hosting the United States in San Salvador. And then three days later, the United States is going to host Canada. By the way, the Canadian women just won the gold medal at the Olympics. Not saying that's the same thing, but still. Um, And then the international break. They're going to have three days after that. They're going down to Honduras. So outside of playing in Mexico City, those those games in Central America are always tough. Why? Because of the nefarious shenanigans that goes on. I can't believe CONCACAF and FIFA allow it, but they do. What do they do, Rick? Well... And I've talked to guys like Winalda and Harksey and Lawless, the other guys who've been in here talking to me about it. They, Kobe Jones, they turn off the power in the USA hotel. They turn off the water. They say there's nothing we can do about it, but they wait until like, you know, late. So it's too late to get a new hotel. And then they stand outside the hotel and they honk horns and they bang on pots and pans and shoot guns and fireworks all night long to make sure the USA doesn't sleep sportsmanship? Not really. <laughs> if you're looking for the uh the big first biggie, that's going to be October 13th when the USA is going to host Mexico. And then uh November, they'll uh, or sorry, um in March they're going to play Mexico. And remember, these games are going to go into 2022, which is when the World Cup will be and it will be a homegrown affair in that great soccer nation of Qatar. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. Emails, rick at sportsbyline.com. Here's an email here from Scott. Rick, who do you think will be the most expensive player in baseball within five years? Is it someone that's just been drafted? Is it someone like Tatis or Otani? What do you think? Well, thanks for the email, by the way. Rick at com. It's an interesting question. Uh, anyone who's been drafted, I, don't know, I mean, you, you think about Adley Rushman. He just got promoted to A. It's going to take a while. He was the catcher out of Oregon State that the Orioles took first overall a couple years ago. Three years ago. Um but you think about you know Mike Trout, will he still be making more? You know you think about an ex, you know Fernando Tatis, the extension he signed. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned Otani, that, that is one right there because there's no one like Otani. There are players like Trout and Tatis, not as good, but guys like him. There's no one in baseball who has got Ace stuff on the bump and can be one of the leaders in home runs. He's one of the most dynamic players we've seen since Babe Ruth. And he's going to be the American League MVP. And if you think about his free agency, when will that be? Well, soon-ish. He's 27 years old, and he will hit the open market in two more years. Now, MLB requires players to get six years of big league experience before they qualify for free agency, and Otani is nearing the end of his fourth full season. Isn't that amazing already that it's in his fourth full season? So he'll be 29 years old. But there's a special circumstance. you got to remember that his arrival with MLB was not a foregone conclusion when it happened. He had to choose between maximizing his earnings and arriving in the United States as quickly as he did. And that's because of the rules MLB has pertaining to what international free agents and what they get as, you know, being an amateur. What do you mean amateur? Well, players who are older than 25 and have played six-plus seasons in a foreign league are, are allowed to sign for as much as they want, like a standard free agent. But players who do not re, re, uh, meet those requirements are regarded as amateurs. So that means they go into the international free agent pool. Otani didn't meet either requirement. So he signed for the angels for $2.3 million signing bonus. By the way, the 30th pick in this year's draft had a higher signing bonus than Shoei Otani. Now the kicker is, and this is why teams like my A's weren't involved as that the Nippon ham fighters got a flat fee of $20 million. You know, it's like, you want to go, you want to go, you want to go. All right, you can go. So MLB teams were prohibited from circumventing the rules by saying, you know, well, we're going to sign him to a long-term extension. The the angels have paid him more than the league minimum, albeit not by much in two of his first three beers. They worked out a deal in uh, February uh, to just buy out the last two or the first two beers, I should say, for 8.5 million, Shoyo Otani is getting three million dollars this year. Never has three million dollars looked more like chump change. Three million dollars for Shoyo Otani. Next year, 5.5, 2023, arbitration eligible. And you wonder what that's going to be. But and you think, I thought it was funny. Somebody said, "Well, can they afford to keep him?" Of course they're going to afford to keep him. Whatever the new CBA is going to be. They, they have $70 million already committed to Trout and Rendon. By the way, Rendon, out for the season. Um, They're paying pool holes to pay for the Dodgers. That money comes off in October. Uh, Justin Upton, is he's a free agent. They're not going to re-sign him at his age, right? right? But if Otani stays healthy, he should be in line for something. Like with the Angels... You know, this is a franchise with an opening day payroll over $120 million. Would they, would they stomach having 60% of their payroll spent on three players? Why not? Now, if the question turns out to be no, would they trade Otani? They're not trading Otani. They're not trading Otani. So it's, look, it's too early to see what's happening. The clock is ticking, yeah, but you got to be able to sit back and, and relax and watch these, <laughs> watch the rest of this year and then two more years. You know, they always say with managers, if they're in a lame duck year, that's all everybody talks about. You know, it happened with Bob Melvin. Oh, Bob Melvin is like, well, let's give him another year. Let's give him another year. 1 eight hundred eight seven eight 878 play. Another email from Chrissy. Rick, you like to point out, because you're a closeted Giants fan, that the Giants are the best team in baseball, but are they really? Uh, Chrissy, I'm not offended by that. Um, <laughs> I'm not a closeted Giants fan. I just don't hate them. You know, that's all. But the Giants have not been 30 games over 500 for 18 years. Think about that. And in those 18 years, they've won three World Series. So record wise they're better than any of those World Series teams. Now the first one got in at the last minute, remember? It was supposed to be the Padres getting in and then the Padres like lost their last 12. It was ridiculous. But you can't be 30 games over 500 and not be the best team. And yeah, you can go down the line and you'd look at a lineup and you go whose lineup would you rather have? The Dodgers or the Giants? The Dodgers. Whose whose lineup would you rather have? The Astros the White Sox, the Padres, you know, the Yankees. You could even look at the Phils and the Braves and the Mets and you'd say, ah, I'd take that roster. It doesn't matter whose roster you'd take. They are the ones that are winning. I love this picture that I saw of Gabe Kapler coming to the ballpark. And, you know, he's got a six-pack, you know, he's Mr. Workout. He was minor league player of the year two years in a row. But he's wearing—he's riding a bicycle. He has jeans with huge holes ripped in the knees. So you see his bare knees. He's wearing like these old dusty, like coal miner boots, which I'm sure were like $500. It's a diesel or something. He's got the earbuds in, and then he's holding like a, uh, a coffee from Starbucks. And someone I know sent me the picture and goes, do you think Boach ever came to the game like this? You think Bochy, if Fochi has knees ripped in his, or has holes ripped in his knees, he throws those jeans away. But I just think it's funny. All people, we're going to boycott the Giants because the Cap Ka- Capler is the best manager in baseball right now, and he's got the best hipster style of any <laughs> manager I've ever seen. Come on back.
14: Rick Tittle, you done broke my heart, but I still take you back. You hella fine.
3: Thank you for that. Um, Before we go, I saw one of these little fun maps CBS Sports did, and it was best Division I college football program state by state, in the whole state was like the logo. So California is SC. Oregon is Oregon. Washington is Washington. Idaho is Boise State. Utah is the Utes. Nevada is UNR. Arizona is Arizona state. I think it's funny. Texas, it says Texas A and M that's going to ruffle some feathers, but the most interesting one to me and why I'm bringing it up is that New York is West point. And it's just a reminder. If you think about how old college football is, it was, you know, our only football was bigger than the NFL forever and how much, you know, New York has meant to both, um, baseball and basketball and its birth and yet there's really no college football presence in that state. What? Syracuse? Fordham? Hofstra? SUNY Albany backwards spelled Anus. (laughs) No offense to West Point. That's the best you got Well then good. By the way, Maryland is not the Terps, it's Navy. Don't give up the ship. Tomorrow